0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Great to be with you today. Um, if you're new with us today, my name is David Cassidy. I'm the lead pastor here at Spanish River Church, and it's a joy to open God's Word with you today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14, primarily, and uh, a little uh, look over into Hebrews chapter 13 as well. We're um, in the middle of a series called One Heart, One Mission, and it's an opportunity that we're taking together as a community of believers to step into the, the commission that God has given to this particular church. When somebody says, well, what is this church about, and what has God called this church to do, then we want to be really clear about what those things are. And so we're, we're taking some Sundays together to review, in a certain way, what God has entrusted to us from the very first moments that this church came into existence and we're very, very thankful for the mission that God has given to us that was originally communicated to us through Pastor Nicholas, and then Tommy stewarded that, uh, that mission, and now we have as a, a new generation the opportunity to carry that forward. And the language that we're using to describe that is rooted in a couple of great, uh, great facts of Scripture. The first one is that God sent His Son to be the Savior. Everybody needs Jesus. But when Jesus came, he also came to establish his church. Everybody needs Jesus, and everyone needs a great church to call home. And because of that, God has called us to engage in the work of the gospel, to bring it not only to everyone we know right where we are, but to the whole world. Spanish River is a church that's planted new churches in 37 countries on every continent except Antarctica. If there are any takers, though... I see those hands. There you go. All right. Uh, We are committed to getting the good news of Jesus into our own city, to our neighbors, and to see the transforming life and love of Jesus Christ at work in our world because, as we said, when this whole series began and we looked first at Ezekiel 47, everything will live where the river goes. That great Old Testament prophet saw a vision of God's river of life flowing out into the world everything will live where the river goes and the scriptures say that you personally and all of us together collectively are this new temple that jesus is building out of which flows the life and the love of god that transforms people transforms families transforms cities and will ultimately change the world on the day when jesus says behold i will make all things new can't you just wait for that day and so let's, um, let's remind ourselves of this language that we're using together to describe the mission. It's a very brief mission statement. I'm going to invite you to say it with me. And if you've got your devotional guide with you this morning, uh, we're going to be primarily on page 26, if you've got that with you and you want to follow along. But let's read this together. Would you join me? Because everyone needs Jesus and a great church to call home. SRC will bring the transforming life and love of Jesus To one another, our neighbors, and the nations, through the power of the gospel proclaimed in word and deed and sign. Now, this morning, I want us to focus in on an underlying value that is critical to that mission outcome. It's a posture of the heart that has to do with the way in which we welcome all those the Lord is sending our direction. And we see this over and over again in Jesus' teaching in the Gospels when he talks about the kingdom of God being compared to a banquet, a feast to which people are invited. And that comes through in this text we're going to read here in Luke 14, but I want to set the stage for you. Jesus is at a dinner party, and he is at the dinner party of, it says in Luke 14, verse 1, a ruler... Of the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were a theological and religious elite in Jerusalem, and this man who's hosting him, he's unnamed, is a ruler of that group. So he's an elite of the elites. So this is a most elite dinner party at which Jesus finds himself. And uh, there is a man who is there who is sick, and Jesus heals him which causes great consternation to those who are there this man uh had um, a very very serious condition and he wanders into this dinner feast and that is upsetting everyone what do you do with the person who shows up who upsets everything And Jesus heals him and he receives him and he treats him with kindness and he restores him. And then a person makes a comment about how blessed are those who will eat bread in the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven compared to this great feast. And Jesus picks up this opportunity to talk about what it means for us to welcome people to the feast of the kingdom. So knowing that background, knowing that you're in the presence of the elite of the elites and how, do, how, do, how, how, does, how does Jesus welcome those who are broken? Let's pick it up here in Luke 14 and in verse 12. He said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, which is exactly who we'd invite, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. When you give a feast... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Now, that list of people who who, um, Jesus says, this is who you need to invite, the blind, the poor, the crippled, the lame, those are exactly the people that in certain religious circles in Jerusalem at the time were actually forbidden from even entering the temple. Here's the people who cannot come to the feast. And Jesus says, these are exactly the people that we're going to be gathering around the table in the feast of the kingdom. And so then he says, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready, but they all alike together began to make excuses. The first said to him, "I've bought a field, and I have to go out and see it. Please have me excused." And another said, "I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to have to go examine them. Please have me excused." And another said, "I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come.") <laughs> it's a great set of excuses isn't it for a group of people who already said oh sure we'll be there and another said i've married oh my goodness so the servant came and reported these things to his master and the master of the house became angry and said to his servant go out quickly to the streets And the lanes of the city, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. Would you say that with me? That my house may be filled. For I tell you that none of these men who were invited... Shall taste my banquet. And then let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. I want to talk to you this morning about a posture of heart, the way in which we have hands extended towards. And hearts open to those whose society may exclude, those who are not yet in the kingdom, those who are on their way, those who are invited. The whole thrust of what Jesus is saying to this Pharisee is that there are many people who've been invited, and I want you to notice here that these people, with their excuses that they began to make, which are humorous. You laughed at them and you were right to laugh at them because there's an underlying tension that's in those excuses. It says they all alike began together. It's an interesting translation of what's going on there. Really what it's saying is that all three of those men who made those excuses, you have to remember they were invited well in advance this, kinds of, this kind of gathering had an advance invitation, and they would have said, yes, we'll be there, and then comes the moment to say, okay, now's the time. It's time to come. They began to make these last-minute excuses, and what the text suggests is that they were together in that. It was a kind of conspiracy of saying, we're not going to come to your feast. In other words, there's some high-level elite shunning that's going on. We don't want to come to your banquet. It was a way of saying to the host of the feast, We don't want to come to your table. We don't value you. You don't have the same social standing that we have. We're, we're pushing you out. And so he says, Well, I want my house to be what? I want my house to be filled. In this parable of the hospitality of the kingdom, There are three great characters that we need to be aware of. There is this host who longs for his house to be filled. There are these servants who go out with the invitations and invite everybody else into the feast. And there are, of course, the invited guests who come into the kingdom. And all of this speaks to us of the ministry of the gospel of Jesus and the posture of our heart towards the whole world and those who are not here yet. My friends, there are 62 days until Christmas. 62 shopping days is all you have left. I'm just here to bring you the good news this morning. Aren't you excited about that? 62 days. And one of the best things about that whole season is all of the Christmas parties that happen. All of those great Christmas feasts to which everyone's invited. And I, I, I don't know all of you well yet, but I know you well enough to understand that if you throw a Christmas party, it's going to be a blast. If you have people to your home for a Christmas celebration, whether it's the feast on the day or just a party that's happening somewhere during the month of December leading up to that great celebration, I know what you're going to do. You're going to have music playing outside. You're going to have lights on the trees, palm trees, but okay, lights on the trees. And all this Christmas music is going to be playing. And you're going to have some really, really weird Santa Claus tie on. And a wild Christmas sweater, even though it's 89 degrees, you'll be wearing that sweater. I know, right? And and all of that music. And you'll have special food prepared. And when people come in, there'll be lights and there'll be all this food which you've gotten ready. And you'll have special drinks prepared. And you'll be there at the door to welcome your guests. And you'll be so thrilled. And you'll have so much fun. It'll be a blast. Aren't you guys excited about that? And thank you so much for those invitations, which are already coming in. I appreciate that. can't wait. I'll tell you what you won't do for your Christmas party. Here's what you won't do. What you won't do is invite a whole bunch of people, and then when they get to the house, there's a note on the door that says, oh, sorry, we had a few errands to run. But come on in, make yourself at home, flip on the lights, and there's a there's a Home Alone DVD that you can push play on, and there's some jello in the fridge. Make, sure, make yourself at home until we get there. That's not how it's gonna go, is it? Why? Because you've made preparation, you've extended invitations, you want people to understand that you love them, that you care for them, that you were thoughtful about what they would want, how they would want to celebrate. You are offering not lunch. It's not even supper. It's a feast. The kingdom of heaven is a banquet. It's a feast. It's a celebration. And it has an invitation to guests, to those who are not here yet, it has servants that extend those invitations to people to come to the feast. And there is a host who is there to welcome people and bring them in. And the extraordinary thing for us to know is where Jesus is in this feast. And where we fit in this parable as well. In a certain way, you see, Jesus is every single one of the characters in this parable. Whenever there's a parable, a story that Jesus tells, Jesus is himself the all-in-all in in the story. Jesus is himself the host at the table who beckons people to come to the feast. Blessed are all those who will eat bread in the kingdom, the, the other guest at the table says. Jesus says, yes, but do you know who's coming? I'm the host of this great feast. I'm inviting people to an everlasting banquet. But Jesus is not only the host of this great feast, he's the servant who goes out to extend the invitation to people, many of whom are exactly the people no one else wants to have at their table. Jesus says, go in this story to the lanes, to the byways, to the streets and the hedges, The lanes and the streets, that's a phrase that in this ancient world meant the parts of town that you don't go to. The parts of the town where the broken and the abused and the discarded live. Go to those places and invite them to come in because the elite of the elites, they didn't want to come in. Now, there are broken and bruised people at every level of society. Some of the most broken and bruised people I've ever met are the people who think they're not broken and bruised. Some of the most battered people I've ever met, some of the most hungry and thirsty people I've ever met, are the people who think they have enough resources to quench their thirst and their hunger and then find out they can't. But the kingdom of heaven, the table of the Lord, is open and invitation is extended to the elite of the society and the discarded of the society. To the woman Timothy told you about a few minutes ago, living with her daughter under a tree in Palm Beach County. When he told me that story last night, when he told us that story in our Saturday night worship service, I thought of Hagar with her little baby Ishmael getting ready to die. And God came to her and and rescued her, and she said, you are the Lord who sees. You are the Lord who sees me. God sees people in their pain, and he comes to them in their pain. He comes to them in their aloneness, and he invites them into the feast of his kingdom. And so Jesus is the servant who comes, the, the son of God, for God so loved the world that he sent his son, his servant, to go out into the world to invite people into the kingdom. That's what Jesus is doing at this dinner party. But Jesus is also the guest. You know, Jesus is the guest. How is how is Jesus the guest? Jesus is the guest at the host of uh, 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 the guest at the feast as well, because he comes to us in all of the people who arrive. Jesus said, "I was hungry." and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was alone, and you befriended me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. I was naked, and you clothed me. And they'll say to me on that day, Lord, when were any of these things true? And he would say, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. You've done it unto me. Because Jesus is the one who appears in every guest. Jesus appears to his people in every person who is still on the way to us. Let me tell you something you've never heard. You've never heard anybody say, Wow, this is as beautiful as an airport. We we flew in. Two in the morning on Saturday at, uh, at, at the Fort Lauderdale airport. I thought, well, two in the morning, Fort Lauderdale, there will be hardly anybody there. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Some of the craziest traffic I've ever seen in my life. Note to self don't fly in, Fort Lauderdale, two in the morning. I could hardly get out. It was wild. Travel is exhausting. Have you noticed that? Well, nobody ever talks about travel being beautiful except in regard to the destination. But nobody ever, is, while they're packing, goes, I can't wait to get to the TSA line. I can't wait. I can't wait to take my shoes and my belt off. I can't wait. I can't wait for the airport food. I cannot wait for a $15 bag of potato chips. I can't wait. <laughs> nobody, nobody says that. You can't wait to get where you're going. But travel, the travel itself is hard. Well, in the ancient world, it wasn't just costly and hard. It was, it was dangerous. It was dangerous. Thieves along the side of the road. And you didn't, I'll just put it this way, have Marriott points <laughs> in the ancient world when it came to where you were going to stay at night. Within a few hundred years of the dawning of the gospel story that begins with a a couple, the woman great with child who cannot find a place to stay, and that's how the gospel story of Jesus begins, with a woman giving birth in a cattle shed because there was no room for them somewhere else. A few hundred years after that story, travelers in the ancient world began to look as the sun began to dip on the horizon for something very important for ancient travelers. They began to look for a cross. A cross. It's a cross. Yeah. Because in the four to five hundred years that had passed since the time of Jesus, the cross had gone from being a symbol of shame and execution to a sign of hope and shelter and sustenance. And so when weary travelers were going down the road, they would look for a cross because that cross was on top of a building, usually a monastic building of some kind, And they knew that there, if they went to a gate, if they went to a door, they would receive kingdom hospitality. They knew that the doors would be open to them, and there, in that church setting, would be a place that was safe. A place where they would be welcomed, whether they were believers or not. They would be around people who would look after them and care for them. And they knew they would not be in danger of thieves or being manipulated or ripped off by unscrupulous people. The church was a place of safety, a place that welcomed the unbeliever, a place that cared for people who had a posture towards those who were not yet in the kingdom, that in them they saw Jesus coming into the church. I want to read to you, it's on page 26 of your study guide, from the rule of Saint Benedict. Now, Benedict had started this series of monastic centers and he trained the brothers that were there about how to receive guests. Listen to this, let all guests who arrive be received like Christ for he is going to say I came as a guest and you received me. Matthew 25 35, I came as a guest. Jesus comes as a guest and you received me. And to all let due honor be shown. In the salutation of all guests, whether arriving or departing, let all humility be shown. Let the head be bowed, or the whole body prostrated on the ground in adoration of Christ, who is indeed received in their persons. Let the abbot, I'm just going to change Let the pastor give the guests water for their hands. Let the pastor and the community wash the feet of every guest. And after washing the feet, let them say, we have received your mercy, O God, in the midst of your temple, in the reception of the poor and the pilgrims, the greatest care and solicitude should be shown, because it is especially in them that Christ is received. Let me just tell you, if you're new with us today, if you're an honored guest with us today, if this is your first time to Spanish River, here's what I want you to know. We are receiving you today as Christ himself. That's the posture of the hospitality of the kingdom. Go and invite, compel them to come in, that my house may be what? Full. How long will Spanish River be engaged in that church planting mission? How long will we engage in something like Alpha, which as Tim described to you as a hospitality-based ministry where people gather at a table and they eat food together, and then we talk about the big questions of the kingdom. We take truth, And we deal with it, but we deal with it in a context of speaking the truth, in the hospitality of love that sees in every single person the image of God who receives every guest as we receive Christ himself. Do you know why most Christians are habitually late to church? Habitually, not once in a while. Every one of us are late once in a while, okay? That just happens. I'm talking about habitually late to worship. Do you know why? It goes back to that Christmas party. The note on the door. The reason most Christians are habitually late to church is because they do not see themselves as hosts. They still see themselves as what? Guests. And so you come late because guests can come fashionably late. But if you're a host, if you're a host, That's receiving guests as Christ, Christ Himself is showing up at the door. Oh, you've made preparation. You haven't thought about the facilities here or the parking lot here or the signage here. You haven't thought about any of those things in terms of whether or not it's good enough for you. You have to think about your facilities and your parking lot and every single thing you do from every note that's struck by every musician down to the way every single person is greeted at the door. The way, as soon as, as soon as somebody pulls onto the parking lot, you don't need any signs because you know where you're going. But a guest who's coming out here is going, where am I going? It's intimidating for new people to come sometimes. I talked to a lady some weeks ago. She came on Sunday morning. She sat in her car the first week she was here. She was too scared to come in. Then the next week she came in. It takes a little bit to get in the door. And that's why how you receive people is critical. How do you receive people? About time you came. (laughs) Been praying for you. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Or do you receive people as, look who just showed up. It's Jesus. Jesus just walked in the door. My friends, this means you think about Christ as the host of the feast. You think about Christ as the servant who is working in the world to invite other people, and you think of Christ as the one you are welcoming in the person of every single individual who shows up. And when you do that, it transforms the posture of your heart. You become somebody who is welcoming, not somebody who is judgmental. You do not view people who are not here yet as enemies to be conquered, but as friends to be welcomed. And you will not stop and we will not stop until this is true as it is in the text. Go and compel them to come in that my house may be what? Full. Full. is is going to be standing room only. And that's what the church on earth should look like too. And that means we have to cultivate kingdom hospitality. Many have by welcoming strangers entertained, what unawares? Angels. Angels showed up this morning how important is your greeting team out front? Well, only if Gabriel is walking in. <laughs> you know, I've done new members classes for years, and I always ask a question when people begin a new members class. How many of you were warmly greeted? How many hands go up? All of them. Every one of them. I've never met anybody who joined a church who wasn't kindly warmly, humbly greeted. But you know the experience. You've probably been to a church. You've visited places and nobody said hello. Nobody welcomed you. Nobody thought of you. There wasn't any kingdom hospitality being expressed. And this isn't just about Sunday morning. It's women's ministry. It's men's ministry. It's student ministry. It's children's ministry. It's everything we do is shaped by the posture of welcome to the guests. Let us Give them water. Let us wash their feet. Let us see in every single person we meet the face of Jesus moving towards us. There are three qualities of this kingdom hospitality I want to share with you just in closing. Here's the first one thoughtful, extravagant preparation. Thoughtful, extravagant preparation. Again, is it jello in the fridge at the Christmas party? Uh, come in, make yourself at home. Get the Jello out of the fridge. Plus, play and press play on the DVD. I'm not coming. I'm not, I'm not coming to that party. When I was at culinary school, one of the things that they teach you is that people first eat with their eyes. They eat with their eyes. They, un- I mean, I mean, you know, I know something about feasting. I mean, look at me, look at me. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You know, I'm in shape. It's a round shape, but I'm in shape. I do forklifts. I mean, that's my workout, right? Okay. I know I know what I'm talking about. When it comes to feasting, I know what I'm talking about. And I'm telling you people eat with their eyes. When you go out to a you know some of you right now in the middle of this sermon are thinking where are we going to lunch? You're having lunch plans right now going through your head, right? That's from the devil by the way, but okay, that's a different issue. Because you should be paying attention to what I'm saying. But you're making lunch plans. But where you're making those lunch plans, you're thinking about, you're not thinking it's going to be like jail food, like you walk down and somebody goes, here's the beans. <laughs> you're going to have it. It's going to be nice. Everything's going to be balanced. There's going to be color and texture and presentation. It's going to be nicely presented. It's thoughtful. It's extravagant. It's beautiful. You take thought. Look, right down. I'm just going to get real with you for a second here. If you're online with us, you'll understand this too. you gotta, You got to think about your guests. Some of our guests are babies. All the bathrooms you know now, they have changing stations. What else should be there? In addition to the changing station, well, well, diapers and extra clothes. Why? Well, because sometimes there are explosions. <laughs> Every parent in here knows that and sometimes you bring a change of clothes and sometimes you don't but a thoughtful host goes well we got that covered because sometimes whether it's in worship or a class or whatever there's a mighty roar that happens from the infant and the aroma of fills the house and you got to help them there's thoughtful extravagant preparation that's made because you know that people are coming and it's not a jello in the fridge it's not here's a bologna sandwich it's not miserable it's beautiful because it's thoughtful and it's extravagant here's the second thing we receive christ in every guest when you see people who are coming again you wash their feet the posture of their of your heart is we're so glad how can we be of service to you Because you now believe that you are no longer a guest. Let me just, I'm going to tell you every single one of members, listen to me members, members of Spanish River Church, you are not guests anymore. You are hosts. You are hosts. And when you became a member, you became a host. You got to take on the ministry of washing feet, of being servants who go out to invite people into the kingdom of God That's who we are. We are hosts. We are servants. That's who we are in this story. Amen? Amen. All right, I heard you. Seven of you say amen. (laughs) So you receive Christ in every guest. And then here's the last thing you're going to, as part of kingdom hospitality, whether it's a women's Bible study, a men's group, whether it's meeting in a coffee house or on the beach, a student ministry gathering of whatever kind children's ministry, every single thing, every single thing that we do is going to be characterized by feasting, feasting. And what it will do is this, point to people. Kingdom hospitality always points people to the host, to Jesus. It always points people to Christ. Because Christ, here's the remarkable thing, Christ, in this feast, is not only the host at the table. He is the feast on the table. And blessed are all those, Jesus said, who are hungry and thirsty. Come to me, Jesus said. Blessed are all those who hunger and thirst they shall be filled our world is full of hungry souls hungry for meaning hungry for mercy hungry for love a society that is thirsty thirsty for knowing their purpose why they were created that long to have the questions answered and they're looking on the horizon for a sign of somewhere they can go where there's shelter and affection and warmth and solace and healing and we live in a time where when the people think about the church they have right now seen the church as a place not of healing but of but of of, a place of harm Where day after day we hear story after story of the abuse of people in the church, rather than the healing of people by the great physician that's in the church. And that's why this posture of servanthood, an invitation, a posture of hospitality and welcome has to be gripping our hearts so that every person who comes to us knows that here is a place of healing. Here is a place of hope. Here is a place where I can meet the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, my life, the hunger of my heart can be met. Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, O oh Lord. People are looking for their heart's true home. They're looking for solace. They're looking for shelter. They're looking for sustenance. They're hungry. They're thirsty. And the answer is not the church, but the church's job is to present the answer. And the answer is Christ Jesus. My friends, if you're new with us here today, If you've been far from the Lord, or if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want you to hear what I have to say right now. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the wine. Jesus is your safety. We can't save you, but we know the one who can. It is Christ who will be the food of your soul. And he is the one we offer to you today. My friend, we saw him in your face when you walked in. And now, my friend... I want you to see his face in the words that I say, that Christ is the food and the drink that will meet the hunger of your heart. And when you take him in, when you take Jesus into your own heart, your soul will finally find its resting place. Won't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, our hearts are hungry and thirsty. We long for life indeed. Teach us, Lord, to put our trust in you, the one who is the servant sent with the invitation, the one who is the host at the table, the one who is the guest who comes to us, the one who is the feast our hearts so desperately need. Feed us as we put our trust in you today. And we pray in your matchless name and all God's people said.